Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, good morning. I want to give a special welcome to our guests here this morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Capital Church, and just want to say thank you for being here with us today. We are on week two of a new series called The Righteous Ones, The Ones on the Right. Last week, we talked about There's going to be a time where Jesus, we're going to come face to face with Jesus and he's going to separate people. He's going to put people on the left and he's going to put people on the right. And the ones on the right, he's going to call them the righteous ones and they're going to be able to spend eternity with him. And those who puts on the left, they're going to spend eternity in separation from him where it will not be a nice time. And so... I want to continue on with that thought and that theme that we started last week of understanding how is it that when he says that when we do it to the least of these, we do it to Jesus. And that is a mark of those who are followers of him and those who will spend eternity with him. But if we're not careful, we can easily take a message like that and move it into, uh, I got to do a bunch of things for God. And we're going to talk about that today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to um, Matthew chapter Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. By the way, thank you so much. If, if you, I know you're turning there, but just hold them up real quick. How many people brought your Bibles? Hold them up. Love it, love it, love it. I sent out a little reminder to you this morning on our Facebook post, uh, GCC Pembroke, and actually I saw somebody came in this morning and said, "Thank you for that reminder." I grabbed my Bible because you reminded me. So. Glad you have your Bibles. Um, I would encourage you also to take notes um, to refer back to some of these scriptures throughout the week because um, I am going to mention a few of them and it's really important that you dig into those scriptures yourself. Before we get into Matthew chapter 7, um, this weekend was a busy weekend for me. Uh, it, was, it was homecoming for my kids' high school. My kids go to Guilford High School and... Um, my son is a senior. He plays soccer. He's a goaltender for that team. My daughter, who's a sophomore, plays volleyball. And then my, uh, my other son, who's in fifth grade, he also plays soccer. And so I, I started the morning with a varsity soccer game. Then I quickly ran to a mid-afternoon soccer game for my younger one. And then I quickly got home and changed my clothes because it was a lot hotter than I expected. Then I went to a volleyball game. But I I love this when you're at a sports event and people are there for a variety of reasons. And some people are super big fans like we are because our kid is playing and other ones are just kind of spectators. And a lot of times they get preoccupied. And and the one that happened this week was, was great. Somebody was on their phone not aware at all and not prepared at all. And they're on the sidelines and all of a sudden a ball comes around and a whack and they have their glasses, and they're like half down like this, and their phone drops, and they're like trying to pick, pick themselves up, you know. It's like, but that's a great, great illustration of what is going to happen when Jesus returns. There's going to be some people who are aware and prepared, and there's other people who are going to be like, what just happened? <laughs> but my job is to help you to be aware and prepared. Remember that parable of the ten virgins. If you want to go back and read that at some point in time, that parable really talks about that. 
Well, to get us to this place of understanding that it's not just about our good works that get us to experience the kingdom of God. And, and by the way, when I say kingdom of God, I want you to understand that the kingdom of God is not just talking about heaven. The kingdom of God can actually be experienced here and now. That's why we can say, when we sing, actually we sang a song today about God so desperately wants to be close to us, with us that he sent Jesus to bring heaven to earth. And in many ways, when he talks about kingdom of God, he's really talking about a literal kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And he's saying that you will either experience the spiritual kingdom here and now or you won't. But we also know that when we die or when Jesus comes back to establish a rule and reign on this earth, that there is going to be a moment of judgment where he's going to look at each person and say, did I know you? Did I know you? So the challenge is that, that we can get into doing a lot of great things for Jesus, but then actually find out that we don't even know Jesus. You see, we can believe, but believing is not enough. We'll unpack that for you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, we're going to read this together. Well, you don't have to read it out loud, but follow along. Matthew 7, verse 21. This is red letters in your Bible, which means it's Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, and he's talking about that day, where he already talked about the separation of the sheep and the goats, that judgment day. He says, and on that day, Many will say to me, and by the way, interesting that it says many. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? What a great spiritual activity, having the gift of prophecy. Cast out demons in your name. Wow, what great power you've had. And do many things and do many mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What? What are you saying here, Jesus? That we would do all of these things in your name and now you're calling us lawless? Depart from me? You see, that scripture alone tells us that it is not our works, our good deeds, that will save us only. And by the way, it's not just believing only that's going to save you either. Well, I said the prayer... Well, that's what he's talking about. When you do all these great works in his name, you've said the prayer, maybe, or you knew of God and you knew of Jesus, but there's something here we're going to discover that it's actually the combination of believing and works that make us know the Lord. It has everything to do with relationship. 
If there's anything I want you to walk away with today, it's understanding that. It is by knowing his voice and following what he says is a thing that builds that relationship where we become known. We know him and he knows us. In James chapter 2, if you'll flip over to James or write down the scripture, you can look at it later. James is right after Hebrews in the New Testament. James chapter 2, verse 14. The title of this, Faith Without Works is Dead. So this is the part where it says, believing is not enough. So we've already talked about, we've done all these great works in Jesus' name, but that's, works don't save us. Then we would say, well, oh, I've said the prayer. Well, saying the prayer doesn't, isn't enough. Because this is what it says here in James, the brother of Jesus, by the way, says this. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, "Uh, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So that faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Can you all say dead? Faith, which is believing, need to be accompanied by works for it to be genuine, to be alive. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. Isn't that interesting? The demons believe in Jesus Christ. But where are the demons? They're in hell. And they're roaming this earth as well. They believe and they even shudder. They understand that he's Lord. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? You see, that faith was active along with his works. He was talking about Abraham and his son Isaac when he went to sacrifice him at the altar. In verse, skip down to verse 24. You see, that that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. A person is justified by works and faith. Remember that this series is helping us to prepare for whenever Jesus' return, but by the way, it also prepares us to live in the kingdom of God here and now. So what he is saying is, these scriptures, Jesus starts by saying that then his brother, James, talks to us about this faith and works thing. We can't go fully on works. In other words, oh, I just want to do a bunch of good things for God because our works alone. 
he's still going to say he didn't know us by just doing a, good, a bunch of good works. And faith alone without works doesn't create a genuine faith because if we truly understood what God has done for us, it would compel us to do good works. But here's the, here's the caveat. It's not just about compelled to do good works. It says those who hear the shepherd's voice and walk in obedience to what he's saying. Jesus modeled that for us. He says, I only do what I see the Father in heaven doing. So the key is that we have to have ears to hear. We have to train our spiritual ears, and then do what God is asking us to do. That's what makes our faith come alive. Faith alone is not just in believing the demons believe. Our works alone, our works without faith is dead. But he's saying when we come alive by understanding we have a relationship with the Father and do what he's asked, that's when things light up. That's when the fireworks go off. You see, you won't experience the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven with works alone. You won't experience the kingdom of heaven by belief alone, and you'll see that on the screen. But what will you have is, is a relationship with Jesus Christ lets you experience the kingdom of heaven, which requires good works and believing. It's all about a relationship. Relationship has to do with a back and forth, right? The difference between an encounter and a relationship, I want you to think about those two concepts for a moment. An encounter relationship versus a love relationship. You can encounter somebody in the grocery store, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have a love relationship with that person. True? True. Now, your family's different. You will have a relationship, a love relationship with your family members. Why? Because there's a level of intimacy that goes on there. There's I've heard your voice. I want to do what you've asked of me. My children would do that. Dad, I hear your voice. I want to do what you're asking of me. There's a relationship there. Not always, by the way. But that's where there's training. You know, I think that's where we also, as sons and daughters of a father in heaven who loves us, he's training us to hear his voice and to respond. In John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. John 14, 15, write that down. If you love me, it says, you'll obey my commands. So there's two kinds of relationships. There's a duty relationship and there's a relationship out of delight. Duty versus delight. Can you say duty? Duty versus delight. A duty relationship is a transactional encounter. Work would be a great example of this. You 
go to work and you have a duty to perform certain tasks at work. The relationship is based on a transaction. You work for me, I will pay you. You get what I want done, I will pay you. It's a transaction. And many times, this is the challenge that some would have with God, and I think that's why he says many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he says, depart from me, I didn't know you. Are we treating God as a transactional relationship? I will pray to you, God, and if you answer my prayer, then we're okay. What if God is saying, I don't want to answer your prayer right now because I have another plan for your life? Are you okay with that? And are you okay pressing into God so much so that you begin to say, I hear your voice, God, and I will do what you're saying? But a delight relationship is a deep love relationship. You know, when your kids, they just want to respond to you because they love you. Most of the time, they want to respond to you positively because they love you. But that's a delight relationship. And I love this, that if this delight relationship is really the dis- description of what he wants us to have with him. Both and. Psalm 34 Psalm, sorry, Psalm 37, verse 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, that's encouraging, but it, we so many times says, well, I want the desires of my heart met. God, why don't you meet those? Transactional. But when we say, God, I just love you so much. I will delight in you. And if you choose to give me the desires of my heart, I'm okay with that. But listen to this one. This is the great one. It's great for us to delight in the Lord. But how about the Lord delighting in you? says this. Proverbs 8. You have time to go there because I'm taking time to get there as well. Proverbs 8. You can flip your pages. I'm flipping mine. Proverbs 8. 27. When he established the heavens, meaning Jesus... I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the seas its limits, and so the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman." And I was his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. 
This is the creation account. And when he created human beings, his whole desire was to be close and to delight over his creation. You are a delight to the Lord. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you feel the pressure, I've never measured up. I haven't performed for God. You don't have to do any of that. You just know that you are a delight to him. But it goes both ways. For us, we need to delight ourselves in the Lord, but we also need to understand that he delights in us. And that's a love relationship. Duty is I have to. It's transactional. I must serve the poor. I must do this. I must obey. I must, I must, I must. Duty, duty, duty. But what if I get to? I would love to. I love you so much, God. Of course I want to. Delight is I want to. So let's go back to when Jesus says he separates the sheep from the goats. He says the difference is, is those who have heard his voice and responded to the shepherd's voice in obedience. But the reality is he's saying it's those who have had this relationship with the Lord He says, well, when did we see you hungry, God? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you in prison? He says, as much as you've done it for the least of these, you've done it for me. I don't know why he says that in the sense of why he chooses to reside with the poor, the least of these. But he says that when we do this, care for the least of these, we're doing it for Jesus. His proximity is amongst them. And the reality is what he's saying is, do these things and so you can be closer to me. The purpose of caring for the least of these is to gain proximity of Jesus's presence. And it's the proximity to Jesus that makes us known by him And allows us to hear his voice to respond in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is saying. All right, you tracking with me so far? All right. Anybody remember the movie The Polar Express? All right. We're we're not there yet to drag out the Christmas movies, but it's a Christmas movie, The Polar Express. Well, the challenge that some of the adults had in The Polar Express is they they stopped believing. And they no longer could hear the bell. In actuality, I've been reflecting on that movie a little bit this week and and realized that I wonder if believing is the beginning to hear his voice, to hear the bell, but it can't stop there. Our believing, this is where when we come to Christ, it allows our spiritual ears to be open to him, but that's not enough. Believing is not enough. Even if our spiritual ears are opened up. 
It's hearing the voice of the Father through the Holy Spirit and responding to him creates the works that must follow. Here's the faith. It's believing that I believe when you say the prayer, it opens your spiritual ears to hear the ringing bell, a.k.a. the the voice of the Holy Spirit. But then when we our spirit is awakened and we can hear the voice of God, it must follow with works. And we know that that those works are going to include caring for the least of these. He told us that's what makes us a sheep. But I believe what makes us the sheep is more importantly that we've heard the shepherd's voice and we follow in obedience. Well, to make this really practical, there's a couple things that we're going to be doing here as a church. First and foremost, yes, we are a Jesus-centered church, and we're people-focused. In other words, we want to equip you to do what God's purposed your life to be all about. We're Jesus-focused. We sing songs about Jesus because Jesus is our Savior. He's the one that connects us to our Father. But something that we love at Grace Capital Church is prayer. Prayer is talking to God. Now, we can pray individually, and we should. We should all be praying because that continues to train our spiritual ears. By the way, pray reading the Bible as well. I don't know what to pray. Just start opening the Bible into the Psalms and start praying those Psalms. You'll start training your ears to hear the voice of God. The whole point of prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. See, the monologue is, God bless me, transactional. God, I need you to do this for me. Transactional, duty. No, he wants to have a love relationship, which is, Oh, man, I love spending time with you, God. Would you speak to me? What areas do I need to keep working on in my life? What do you tell me about my neighbor? How do I help and support my neighbor, love my neighbor? God, what are you saying to me? And, and we get close to him. It's a love relationship. So this week, we're launching our week of prayer. Every day, um, if you follow any of our social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you will get a feed from us that we're going to ask you to join us in prayer. We're going to be going over our values as a church every day, so you'll get that. Please join us in prayer. But then on Wednesday, we're going to have a corporate time of prayer where I want every single one of you that's in this room, unless you're working or you have some other commitments, Be here Wednesday at 6.30, and we're going to spend an hour praying. Maybe an hour and a half. And what we're going to be doing is asking us to continue to be opened up to what God has for our church, has for our lives. He's brought you to this body for a reason. He wants to grow you. He wants to mature you. He wants to gather you together so we can make an impact not only in your community, in this community, but in New Hampshire and around the world. So we got that. Wednesday at what time? 
All right. And every one of you that's going to be there, say yes. yes. Okay. That's good. We'll see you. When, you won't see me. I'm actually out of town this week, but see now, now, now you're thinking I'm off the hook. You have to deal with God, not me. So, no, we have, uh, we have our elders will be helping us uh, do that. Pastor Richie will be leading us in some worship. Uh, it will be a really powerful time, so thank you for being a part of that. Number one, so we want to connect in prayer as a church. Number two, we want to live out what he says, look, caring for the least of these. I'm not too sure if you're aware, but in southern Sudan, there is a massive famine that's going on. Many of our, we're part of a denomination called the Foursquare Church. Many of our Foursquare family are suffering through this family, famine. And what they have done is they've gone from southern Sudan, Sudan over to northern Uganda. And now they're refugees in northern Uganda. Our Foursquare Church has come together and established um, this feeding fund, if you will. It's called the Nourish Project or Project Nourish. And we're going to collectively, as a Foursquare family, begin to feed all of these hungry people. Now, how we're going to do this, it's very simple. For the next three or four weeks, we're going to ask you, the next time you go to Dunkin' Donuts, the next time you go to Starbucks, the next time you are thinking about going out to eat, or thinking about Dunkin' Donuts, I want you to think about listening to the voice of Jesus, listening to the Holy Spirit, And I want you to draw close to Jesus. See, this is not about works. This is about a relationship. I want you to ask the question, Jesus, do you want me to forego Dunkin' Donuts today? He might say no. Go go bless yourself with a Dunkin' Donuts. He might say fine. But if he says, I want you to forego that today, would you respond? Or you're going to go, hey, you know, every Friday night, we always go out for dinner. Well, would you choose to ask the question? See, it's not about duty. It's about relationship. So you have to ask Jesus, saying, Jesus, do you want me to go out to dinner or forego that tonight? And then you have to listen for that still, small voice. Some of you might say, well, I don't know how to listen for God. Well, guess what? This is a great start. And then what I want you to do, if he says, yes, forgo that, really simple. We tried it the other day, and many of you participate in it. Um, What's half of eight? And if you were to count from four backwards, what would it be? Okay, so those are your text and numbers. Eight, four, three, two, one. So it's really simple. You're going to say, okay, I'm choosing to go to this place. My habit is I'm going to go into the drive-in at Dunkin' Donuts. I still want you to go in the parking lot. But I want you to pause for a moment, and then I want you to pray. I want you to respond to what the Spirit of God is saying. And if he's saying, no, I don't want you to get a Dunkin' Donuts today, say okay. Then you can go to your phone and text... See, I wasn't even going to ask you for that, but you just like, you know it. 
You're going to text 84321. And in the message line, you're going to put any dollar amount. And I would suggest, unless the Lord's telling you something different, whatever you would spend on that item, you're going to spend the money anyways. Put that dollar amount and the word relief. Dollar amount and the word relief. And that will go to our relief fund at the church and we'll send those monies over to get food for those who are in um, extreme famine. It's a really practical way for us to live out in Matthew when he says, as much as we've done it for the least of these, we're doing it for Jesus. I'm trying for us to cultivate our spiritual ears to hear the voice of God. I'm trying to understand that it can't be just do, 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 do for God. And I'm trying to understand that it's not just believing alone. It's faith without works is dead, but works without faith is also dead. But when we marry both of those things together, it becomes very powerful. Our ears, spiritual ears start to lighten up, and now we start hearing the voice of God. Because when he says that the, the road to destruction is very broad... He says, enter through the narrow gate where there'll be few who find it. Church, I am not satisfied or going to be happy at all if only a few of us find it. I want all of you, along with me, to find this narrow gate. And to find the narrow gate is when we have to come to this place of saying, Spirit of God, what are you saying? And we'll be obedient to that. That is relationship. Otherwise, if we take God out of the equation, we do a lot of good things in the name of Jesus. And then when he shows up, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. I want every single one of you in this room to know, first and foremost, that God loves you. He delights over you. He doesn't want you to have this duty relationship. He wants to have a delight relationship. But he wants the power of proximity to happen when we care for the least of these. And so over the next few weeks, I want you to say, just don't do it. See, some of you are going to say, like, I'm just going to text in. Next time I'm going to think about it, I'm done. Check. He never wants you to check the box. He wants you to pause to ponder his goodness over your life, and he wants to build a relationship with you, and he wants to engage with you. Don't check the box, church. That's easy. I've done my thing. But what's harder is to ask the question and contend for the answer allow him to, it it says a still small voice. So if, if he's not like, I don't know, that's okay to not know, but press in until you do know. He's not going to keep yourself, himself hidden from you, but he wants to train your spiritual ears. Cause I, I often thought what made me think about that little bell from that movie Polar Express was I wondered the reason why so many people missed his return 
was because they couldn't hear the trumpets blowing, because their spirit wasn't awakened, because they hadn't already trained their ears to hear his voice. I kind of picture it this way. Jesus is saying, I'm coming, I'm coming. And meanwhile, everybody's still like on the sideline of the soccer field on their phones and all this like, boom, what just happened? Well, it's because you weren't aware and you weren't prepared. And, And maybe he's saying, slow down your life just enough that you're gonna pause just long enough to have a conversation, to enjoy your delight to him and receive his delight over you. And this relationship begins to blossom and we then begin to hear his voice and we walk in obedience to him. Because it's not just going to be caring for the poor. It's like a testimony I heard this morning. guy who said, you know what? I heard the Lord say I was going over to this restaurant. The Lord said, no, I want you at this restaurant. And he walked in obedience to the other restaurant. He struck up a conversation with a guy and he heard God say, his voice saying, would you tell him about me? And he did. That guy gave his life to the Lord. found freedom. He could hear the bell ring. But I guarantee that moment would have been missed if he was so preoccupied and his ears weren't trained to hear the voice of God. Because the fruit comes when we follow the voice of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for loving us. Your heart is that none should perish. If there are anybody here today, if there's anybody, there are people here today that would say, I am not confident that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you just slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm not confident that I know what this means to follow Jesus and have a relationship. You can put your hand down. Thank you. You can just say this prayer after me. Jesus, I realized I've made a lot of mistakes in life but the biggest mistake is I've tried to live this life on my own. I'm turning my life over to you, Jesus, and I'm going to follow you. Sorry for the things of my past, the sins of my past. I want to make you the most important thing, person in my life. I will follow you. 
come into my life, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come fill me that I might have the power to live for you. For the rest of us, Lord Jesus, I pray that our spiritual ears would be open this week as we pause when we make purchases and we ask the question, Jesus, are you asking me to forego this? To care for the least of these? To care for the hungry, the malnourished, the moms who can't feed their kids in a country that is so far away from us, but yet we're all connected. And then would we contend for an answer and say yes when you're asking us to do something in obedience to you. Bring us alive in our spirit Tune our ears to hear you, Lord Jesus. Let us receive the delight that you have over us and let us delight in you, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.